It is a beautiful, sunny, breezy, warm afternoon here on the west coast of Florida. The grass is green, the sky is blue, the ocean is a beautiful green, the beaches are white, and it is a great day to be alive, even better day to be saved and on your way to heaven. My name is Joel Tillis, and you have tuned in to The Soul Trap. Thank you so very much for taking the time to tune in and listen. We always consider it an honor for you to be able to Tune in, listen, follow us. You can follow The Soul Trap on Facebook, and we always appreciate when you do. Share us, like us, send us uh, your information, thoughts, leads. Many of you have sent us great leads, and we appreciate that. Uh, you can also email us directly at pastortillis at suncoastbaptistchurch.org. That's pastortillis at suncoastbaptistchurch.org. You can also find Joel Tillis on Twitter. And uh, we are trying to cover our bases to be able to communicate with you. We don't get back to you, many of you, as quickly as we would like to. But we try and we always consider it a tremendous honor to hear from you. And uh, good to be back with you. Good to be back in the saddle. I was out last week. I was in the central part of the state in a little tiny city, in a little tiny church, New Zion Baptist Church in Ona, Florida. And uh, they might have been tiny in number, but they were great in spirit. And the Lord blessed and uh, we saw some wonderful blessings there, and it was a privilege to be a part of that revival meeting, to be involved in it, and I appreciate your patience with us. But it is good to be back in the saddle. I enjoyed very much being back at my own church this past Sunday, and also enjoy being back in the Soul Trap Command Central Station seat here, uh, and uh, enjoy being able to share some thoughts with you. A lot of things going on, uh, a lot of strange and surreal things taking place in the world. But um, it's um, definitely, uh, if you don't think you're dreaming, you might want to pinch yourself because it feels like we're in a really bad nightmare, a really bad dream with what's going on over in the Middle East, with what's going on here in our own country. Uh, but we're not dreaming. You know, we're wide awake in this sad reality that we're living in. But that does sort of uh, segue or lead us into the discussion that I want us to talk about today, a discussion that truthfully can be rooted in the Bible and yet a discussion that is something that is very uh, deeply connected with the paranormal research, the parapsychology, a lot, of the, a lot of the different topics that we, you and I discuss here on The Soul Trap, and that is the subject of dreams, dreamscaping. Now, for a Baptist preacher, that usually sends a shudder up our spine because there's always, in, I suppose, in every man's ministry, that nut job that walks through the back of the door of the church. It's usually when you first started the church and you're trying to build it and, and uh, you're just looking for anybody anywhere that will come and be a warm body in the pew. But they come in and they smile, they amen, put a little money in the offering plate, and everything seems to be going good until they begin to tell you after a service one day that they have dreams given to them by God and visions and all of that stuff. And of course, you know, there's a lot of that nonsense out there, unfortunately, in different branches of Pentecostalism and, and the charismatic movement. But we're talking about the subject of dreams and of dreamscaping. To me, a fascinating subject and one that, although has been tainted at times, need not be. Because not only is it a real uh, or should I say a, a, a part of our real reality, but it is something that is prolific throughout the Bible. It has been, uh, maybe to some degree now, and certainly will be prolific in the spiritual experience of mankind. Dreams are an interesting thing. Quoting from the scientific 
American, an article there in the Scientific American, quote, almost by definition, a dream is something you're aware of at some level. It may be fragmentary, disconnected, and illogical, but if you aren't aware of it during sleep, then it isn't a dream. Many people protest, I never remember my dreams, but that is different matter entirely. Failing to remember a dream later on when you're awake doesn't mean you weren't aware of it when it occurred. It just means the experience was never really carved into your memory, has decayed in storage, or isn't accessible for easy callback. We all intuitively know what a dream is, but you'll be surprised to learn there's no universally accepted definition of dreaming. One fairly safe catch-all is a dream is all perceptions, thoughts, or emotions experienced during sleep. But even this definition does not go far enough to truly express what a dream is. Others have said that a dream is a succession of images, ideas, emotions, and sensations that usually occur involuntarily in the mind during certain stages of sleep. The content and the purpose of dreams have never been, even now, and probably will never be thoroughly and completely understood, though they have been a topic of scientific speculation, as well as a subject of philosophical and, and quite frankly, religious interest throughout human history. The scientific study of dreams is called, uh, get this word, onerology. Onerology. Dreams mainly occur in the rapid eye movement Uh, stage of sleep, and that's REM, and I'm not talking about the band. REM stands for rapid eye movement, and that is a stage in our sleep when the brain activity is high and resembles that of being awake. REM sleep is revealed by continuous movements of the eye during sleep. It's as almost as if the eye is seeing something on the screen of our eyelid. At times, Dreams may occur during other stages of sleep. However, these dreams tend to be much less vivid or memorable according to research. The length of a dream can vary. They may last for only a few seconds or approximately 20 to 30 minutes. The truth of the matter is, though, when you're in a dream, it is hard to tell or to feel the sensation of time. People are more likely to remember the dream if they are awakened during the REM phase. The average person has three to five dreams per night, and some may have up to seven. Isn't that amazing thought? You don't really feel that way. Sometimes I'll think in my mind, man, it's been a long time since I've had a dream, but that's not the case. Research shows that on average, it is three to five dreams per night. Some is much up to seven. However, most dreams are immediately or quickly forgotten. Dreams tend to last longer as the night progresses. During a a full eight-hour sleep night, researchers believe that most dreams occur in the typical two hours of the rim, the rapid eye movement. It is a funny thing, and it always has been, something we have pointed out from time to time here at the Soul Trap. It is a funny thing how science talks such a big game. But the simplest reality is we just don't know what dreams are or how they work. To be sure, dreams are mentioned over a hundred times in the Bible, and that's on the conservative estimation and research. Some of the greatest moments in Bible experience were through dreams. It was through dreams that Abraham had a deep experience with God. It was in a dream that Jacob saw the gateway of heaven, and yet it was real. Dreams are real, or at least in some way connected with the real in which we are living. Christopher Nolan was discussing in an interview the ending of his film, Inception, a great film. I really enjoyed it, by the way, and I'm not a huge fan of Leonardo DiCaprio. 
But I thought Inception was a really good film. Christopher Nolan was the director of it, and he was discussing it where the film cuts back or cuts to black before you were told whether or not the main character is actually in reality or in a dream or maybe even somewhere in between. Now, I don't want to get into the details of it because I don't want to give it away and be a spoiler if you haven't watched it, but at the very end, you're not sure if the character is in a dream or not in a dream. In the interview, Nolan says, quote, the way the end of that film worked, Leonardo DiCaprio's character, Cobb, he was off with his kids. He was in his own subjective reality. He didn't really care anymore. And that makes a statement. Perhaps all levels of reality are valid. The camera moves over the spinning top just before it appears to be wobbling. It was cut to black. I skip out of the back of the theater before people catch me. And there's a very, very strong reaction from the audience. Usually a bit of a groan. The point is, objectively, it matters to the audience in absolute terms. Even though when I'm watching, it's fiction, a sort of virtual reality. But the question of whether that's a dream or whether it's real is the question I've been asked most about any of the films I've made. It seems to really matter to people because that's the point about reality. Reality matters. What an interesting statement that is that he makes. Reality matters. That is an interesting statement to make because reality does matters and, and matter, and yet dreams are a part of our reality and yet we discount dreams as being non-real. For as long as man has been, dreams have been. And though we have advanced in many areas, the coded ethereal images that course unintended and often unmanaged through our minds during sleep have yet to be truly understood. Often the question is mused, will they ever be fully understood? For my part, for those from my side of the spiritual tracks, dreams have, have often been avoided, Most because that, mostly because that in this dispensation, God does not communicate via dreams. I'm not saying that he can't in some situations outside the norm, but I am saying that it is not the norm in the economy that God has established via the church age or the body of Christ to communicate via dreams. There is also the fact that dreams have been quite frankly, co-opted. They have been co-opted by the Flannery O'Connor-like madmen of the charismatic movements, men and women who have used dreams and God to fleece the flock, build mansions and fly around the country in G5s under the presumed guidance of God in visions and dreams that he has given. So dispensational teaching tells me that dreams are not the norm of God in communicating his message. And then there are the dream weavers or the charismatics that the sum total are on the same level as snake vomit. They rip people off with their money from their money while using God. But the truth is, when you look at the Bible, there are doctrinal realities of dreams in the Bible. In the Bible past, certainly we can see it in the Bible in the future, and possibly in some ways, at some times, in some respects, in some manners, in some cultures, maybe even in the Bible present. There is in paranormal research the lore of dark agencies and backroom government programs that have pursued the mastery of dreams. There was a movie that was released in 1984 called Dreamscape. The plot simply is that there were certain people that had psychic abilities that were able to harness their ability to tap into other people's dreams and in those dreams to actually use them for governmental dark works, wet works, assassination plots, alteration of peace deals, on and on and on, all the standard operating procedures of our alphabet agencies. 
The mastery of dreams, the mastery of the psychic has always been something that has been not simply for the paranormal, but something that the military has been highly involved in. The truth of the matter is you can go back to the oracles at Delphi. You can go back to Nebuchadnezzar in the Bible looking in the liver, trying to divine, to psychically figure out which way to go. Even Saul, the king of the children of Israel, going to the witch at Endor, trying to conjure up a familiar spirit to find out which way to go. All of these things have always been tapped into by the military looking for an advantage. Dreams are a powerful thing. One researcher states the following. In modern times, dreams have been seen as a connection to the unconscious mind. They range from normal and ordinary to overly surreal and bizarre, and sometimes even terrifying. Dreams can have varying natures, such as being frightening, exciting, magical, melancholic, adventurous, or even sexual. The events in dreams are generally outside the control of the dreamer, with the exception of a theory called lucid dreaming, where the dreamer is actually self-aware. Dreams can at times make a creative thought occur to the person or give a sense of inspiration. Tesla was one of these kind of men. Dreams or trance, we are never really 100% sure. But certainly dreams have been a very powerful part of the human condition. But defining what dreams are, well, that's a different story. And that definition has shifted through time and culture. The standard Western model of dreams is seen through the lens of Freud, probably more so than any other person today. Freud, who developed uh, the discipline of psychoanalysis, wrote extensively about dream theories and their interpretations in the early 1900s. He explained that dreams are actually a manifestation of one's deepest desires and anxieties, often relating to repressed childhood memories or obsessions. He believed that virtually every dream topic, regardless of its content, or regardless of how weird or strange or melancholy it might appear, actually represented the release of sexual tension. If you ever study Freud, one thing you're going to figure out is that he was a sex freak. In the book, The Interpretation of Dreams, in 1899, Freud developed a psychological technique to interpret dreams and devised a series of guidelines to understand the symbols and motifs that appear in our dreams. Most of it is hogwash and bullcrap, but the fact of the matter remains that his interpretation of how to interpret dreams is a driving force in Western civilization's understanding of dreams itself. Dreams, he believed, were not the result of someone eating too much chicken wings late at night or the mind simply piecing together a bunch of nonsense. He saw it as a connection much deeper. And it's very interesting that he spent so much time with dreams given the fact that he had such an occult background and connections along with his sexual perversions. Dreams to him were very important. They were important to his philosophy and quite possibly a gateway into another world, an ethereal gateway through which he was trying to either draw out or enter into. Another dream researcher states it in this way, quote, most people today appear to endorse the Freudian theory of dreams, that dreams reveal insight into hidden desires and emotions, end quote. There has been, since time began, a business for those who can interpret dreams. Mostly, it's a gimmick. But before it is totally dismissed, we must remember that dream telling has had its use even in the hands of God at times. Remember, it was Joseph who stood before Pharaoh in Genesis and explained to him the dreams and vision that he had. Remember that it was Daniel who stood before King Nebuchadnezzar. And then again before Belteshazzar and explained the dreams and the experiences that he had. Two men who were used by God to reveal a revelation given to another through the medium of dreams. 
In the Greek and Roman periods, the people believed that dreams were direct messages from one and or multiple deities. Now that might be something that we're actually stumbling closer to the truth. The Greeks and the Romans believed that our dreams were a portal, an internal connection, an internal radio receiver that tuned in the right way, pointed in the right direction, could receive information from the other side. Others believed it was from deceased persons, and others still believe that it was a way in which they were able to use and predict the future. And what's interesting about this is that this is not just a Roman or Greek thing. There is ample evidence that there may be a common thread across anthropological landscapes that tie dreams together around the world. There are also such, such dreams as dream incubation, the design of cultivating dreams that are of a prophecy. Now, when we get into the realm of dream incubation and this kind of thing, we're getting near the subject of what is called lucid dreams. The subject of lucid dreams becomes of great interest to those of us that are in the para-research and from our standpoint, because lucid dreaming, while it tenuously can be psychologically verified, seems to actually state that there is a higher level of consciousness. In other words, it seems to bring us out of the realm of the pure biological and into the realm of the psychological or the spiritual A writer well-versed in the research of lucid dreaming states the following, quote, although we are not usually explicitly aware of the fact that we are dreaming, while we are dreaming, at times a remarkable exception occurs and we become conscious enough to realize that we are dreaming. Lucid dreamers report being able to freely remember the circumstances of waking life, to think clearly and to act deliberately upon reflection, all while experiencing a dream, a dream world that seems vividly real. This is all in contrast to the usual past characterization of dreams as typically lacking any reflective awareness or true volition. Lucid dreaming is normally a rare experience. Though most people report having a lucid dream at least once in their lives, only about 20% of the population reports having lucid dreams once a month or more. But there are theories and rumors out there that lucid dreaming allows for a higher level of operation, of consciousness, and that if one could be induced into a state of lucid dreaming or taught how to lucid dream on command, higher level operations within the consciousness and possibly with even in the spirit world itself can be conducted by the human mind. Possibly, possibly contacts could even be made at a higher level of consciousness other than ours. In other words, it is yet another way in which man is trying to open a gateway beyond the realm in which he has been confined by the design of God. Now, to be fair, on the other side, some theoreticians uh, believe and have considered that lucid dreaming is, quite frankly, impossible and absurd. They state that in the absence of empirical evidence bearing on the question, most researchers simply cannot prove that there is such a thing as lucid dreaming. Many of the researchers involved in the study, in the studies of lucid dreaming, that were against it tend to accept Dr. Hartman's impression, quote-unquote, that lucid dreams were not typical parts of dreaming, but rather brief arousals within the mind. In fact, in a study by two researchers, Schwartz and Lebreve, in 1973, they noted that frequent transistory arousals were common during REM sleep and proposed that there were simply micro-awakenings as the physiological basis for lucid dreamings. In other words, you were just kind of waking up microscopically. 
And that's why, although you were dreaming, you were actually waking up and it was flip-flopping back and forth. That's sort of a layman's explanation of it, but that's what they were saying. Although no one had put forward any evidence for this mechanism, it seems to have been the prominent opinion up until a few years ago. There is some, though, who believe in lucid dreaming. Documentation began to appear in the late 70s suggesting that lucid dream occurs during REM sleep and even beyond. Yet, for all of the complications and all the research and all the study gone into it, why we dream is still one of behavioral science's greatest unanswered questions. There is no doctor out there in the world that can answer why. Researchers have offered many theories memory consolidation, emotional regulation, threat simulation, but a unified one answer remains, quote unquote, a pipe dream. Now, people continually continue to mine their nighttime reveries for clues to the inner lives, creative insight, or even for premonition. And yet we don't know why or what they are. But dreams are, without a doubt, a powerful, powerful, powerful part of the human experience. They have been for thousands of years. We know, for instance, that in the times past, they have been used by God. They have been means by which God has actually communicated to man. A question that often comes to my mind is if God in the spirit world chooses to use dreams, is it possible that the powers of darkness may use dreams as well, dreams to communicate as well? Is it possible that there is a connection between the abduction cases that we see on the rise, the dreams and the powers of darkness? And if so, the question then leads us to the fact that what is a dream? Is a dream a thought door, an ethereal door, a thought way, a doorway from our world into the world beyond? There is no doubt that the government has spent vast amounts of time, money, and resources to investigate the power and the validity of dreamscaping. Now, they have all but said that they have dismissed it and they don't use it anymore, but one has to wonder, have they really dismissed it and don't use it anymore? There was a series of supposed CIA documents that revealed UFO sightings and psychic experiments from what was called the Stargate program, which has long been of interest to conspiracy theorists. And of course, one could not choose a more telling code name than the name Stargate. The project was a code name for secret U.S. Army unit established in 1978 at Fort Meade, Maryland by the Defense Intelligence Agency. It aimed to investigate the potential for psychic phenomenon to be used by the military and intelligence services. Now, quite frankly, this is nothing new. From Cyrus the Great to Darius, to Alexander the Great, to Nebuchadnezzar, to Belteshazzar, to Herod, to Constantine, the list has gone on and on. There is a profound and peculiar connection between military leaders looking for an advantage and the spirit world. What was interesting about the research, and you can look this up online, both YouTube or anywhere else you want, is that the research was connected with a man by the name of Yuri Geller. Have you ever heard of Yuri Geller? What is interesting about the files is that they include Yuri Geller, the famous and infamous, I might add, psychic. There is ample research that seems to show that Yuri was able to read the minds of those drawing in the next room in one of the scenes that you can easily see on YouTube anywhere. He was actually able to read the minds of those drawing in the next room. And if you check the video, it is amazing what Yuri was able to do. Now, at the risk of being taken wrong, let's not forget that Yuri Geller was a Jew. He was Jewish, a Jewish psychic, and his hits were amazing. 
Often I have wondered, you might want to check out Ecclesiastes where the Bible talks about be careful what you say or a little bird of the air might carry what you say off to somebody. Have you ever heard somebody use a little phrase, a little bird told me such and such? The Bible, when Jesus, when he was speaking in Matthew chapter number 13, referred to the powers of darkness as birds. Birds have been symbolic both of the spirit world in the good sense, that white dove that was released by Noah, a type of the Holy Spirit, but also in a wicked sense, that dark black raven that was released. There's a connection between winged animals, Beelzebub, the Lord of the flies, which have wings. It makes you wonder, was Yuri Geller or psychics able to actually read your mind? Or is there a spiritual being that is able to actually see what you were thinking and convey that into their mind? And how is that working? Is that through electromagnetic waves? Is that through the realm of electricity, of course, coursing through your mind as your body is firing off? Is that through air medium? Is that through dream medium? How does that work? We don't know, but we know that something is there. Something is there. Lest one think this is a simply musings of a nut, you might want to check it out for yourself. You can look at www.cia.gov forward slash library forward slash reading room document and you will see that there are documents that have been released called Experimental Dream Telepathy, Clairvoyance, and Geomagnetic Activity. There's also a release documentation of the experiments of transcontinental remote viewing. Both of these, by the way, when you look them up in the official CIA library site, are under one project heading, and that heading is Stargate. So what are dreams? Your guess is as good as mine. The reality is I think that with the canon of scripture that we have and the mandate to live by faith alone in this dispensation, we don't need to worry too much about what is going on in our dreams. But there is something very sacred, something very surreal to use the word about dreams. They are one of life's little mysteries. Yes, they are a part of our reality. Yes, they are a part of our world. Yes, there's no doubt some physiological uh, context that goes on in directing our dreams, but without a doubt... There is something spiritual. There is something altered dimensional to the dream world in which we experience. What are dreams and why do we dream? I don't know. But it's one of those mysteries I look forward to finding out about when we get to heaven. Until then, sweet dreams. <laughs>